minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode 950 of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I am joined by the one, the only Perry Goldstein. Perry, I want to ask you how the hell you're doing, but how how are you preparing for the imminent 1,000th Pack-A-Day episode that is just 50 short episodes away? Yeah, I can't believe that. 950, that's wild. That Andy, you've really built something over here. What are you going to do for your 1,000th episode? That's more important. That would assume that I have like the ability and capacity to prepare things in advance and not just like 10 <laughs> seconds before they happen. Uh, I have absolutely nothing planned at the moment for episode 1000. I should probably start looking into that since we are getting very, very close. But it is absolutely insane and crazy that we are closing in on a thousand episodes of this, which uh, without missing a day, by the way, which I never would have you know, expected wow. when I first started it. So uh, in fact, we've had some days with double episodes because we've had breaking news happen. So uh, yeah, it is absolutely crazy that we are this far and uh, happy to have you along for the ride. I'm happy to be here, and kudos to you. You've really built something here. Oh, I'm. Thank you for that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. The team is incredible. Love doing this. Uh, you know, I I only get to do it obviously once per week, but getting to listen to everyone's just awesome work day in and day out is amazing. And all the credit goes to everyone on the team, bar none. But we've got a lot that we need to get to Perry Goldstein. I know it is just. You what March 1st as people are listening to this and there's a lot of off season left we only just had our third Sunday without football but it still feels like this is a very busy time as we gear up for free agency and eventually the draft and of course you know the reason I launched a 365 day a year podcast for the Packers is because uh, there's always something going on and always stuff to go over so I know we're going to do some bold predictions uh, we're going to go over you know a potential Jordan Love trade which I think we're both in lockstep on is not going to happen uh, and then we are also going to be, and we'll kind of start here, uh, discussing Bill Huber's recent article for Sports Illustrated, kind of going over this idea that Green Bay should go all in on this season. And before we jump in, just to kind of give people who haven't read the article, which first of all, uh, hit pause and make sure you do so because it's a great article by Bill. Uh, but kind of the the idea behind the article is that, you know, as much as Green Bay is in some salary cap um, not hell, but it's, it's definitely an issue right now. Purgatory. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Purgatory is probably a good way to put it. Um, things could get even worse in the upcoming seasons, dependent upon how a few things fall with some of the big contracts that they've all already given out. Aaron Rodgers isn't getting any younger. So the article kind of goes on to say, and again, read it because he'll do a much better job explaining it than I will. That it's now now is the time to go all in with Aaron Rodgers and this team that's just been back to back NFC championship games without being able to get to the Super Bowl. And it's kind of like this. It's it's now or never sort of approach. So I just want to start off, Perry, by getting your initial reactions and your takeaways from the article and more importantly, whether or not you agree with it. Yeah, when I read a headline like all in, I, I think my mind goes to like huge free agent splash signings and, you know, really big moves. And the article actually outlined a few steps that felt somewhat feasible for the Packers to do, regardless of cap space. Um, And so I think it's just this idea of what going all in really means. Um, And I think people think of it as this kind of huge, um, this huge thing that's going to cost the Packers a lot or um, any kind of big moves that, 
um, you know, everyone around the league would be talking about. And I think going quote unquote all in is very case by case dependent based off of each team. And he outlined a few things that I think the Packers could do. Like he had them, you know, restructure and potentially extend Aaron Rodgers, obviously, um, you know, keep Devontae Adams locked up, keep Zedarius Smith locked up, you know, outlined a bunch of things that I think made a lot of sense for the team. I want to also get them hopefully closer to, you know, overcoming that hump that they've had the last couple of seasons and finally getting to the Super Bowl versus just getting to the championship game. So I just that's what stood out to me the most in general about the article was just this idea of like, what does all in actually look like? Um, and it, it wasn't as, I guess, un- intangible uh, than I than I originally thought that it would be. Yeah, it's an interesting article. So let me start by saying I agree for the most part with the idea of, you know, being aggressive this offseason. And um, I didn't add a ton to, uh, you know, adding questions to Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst this off or this past season. But I did get him that quote that everyone's kind of been using uh, where he said, if there's an opportunity to take some risks to help us win now, we're certainly in that mode. So if I mm-hmm. contributed one thing to the questions this past season, uh, I'm going to at least take credit for that. But I do think that they're in this mode where um, they are willing to take some risk and, you know, kind of be a little bit more aggressive. That being said, and, and Bill mentioned this in his article as well, you know, you've got to be a little bit careful with going all in because let's just take a look at the situations with New Orleans and Pittsburgh right now, right? And he mentioned New Orleans specifically, but yeah. New Orleans has really kind of gone all in in a few different ways, drafting for need, uh, trading aggressively to get up in additional draft picks, you know, signing players, re-signing players, pushing cap, you know, down the road. And they did not get over the hump, very similarly to Green Bay, had some heartbreaking losses in the playoffs along the way. And now Drew Brees is probably going to retire. They're going to have to cut a ton of players just to be able to play this season. They're going to probably be very bad for the foreseeable future. And the playoffs seem basically unattainable while they kind of rip everything down and almost in a way have to start over from scratch. They are in a very, very difficult spot and they have nothing really to show for it. Pittsburgh's a little bit different. I don't think Pittsburgh really made that all-in move. They did trade pretty aggressively for Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, they made a couple other, you know, smaller moves here and there, but did, never really made that all-in sort of uh, approach. But are in a very similar situation where they were definitely trying to win with Ben Roethlisberger. It didn't come to fruition, and now they're in a similar situation where they don't have a ton of avenues to improve. Ben Roethlisberger's a shell of his former self. They're going to probably bring him back for one season um, and try to figure out that contract and situation. Aren't going to be able to add a ton this year. Probably end up in sort of another, what, nine and seven, maybe making the playoffs as a like six or seven seed sort of situation. Probably not winning a Super Bowl and not having a quarterback for the future at the same time. So both of those are situations where those teams were, you know, really trying to get a Super Bowl, don't have that future quarterback, win all in, and are in very, very deep trouble with, again, nothing to show for it. And I always, am hesitant to put all your eggs in one basket and say, you know, kind of use this all in sort of maneuver with the iron, you know, just having Green Bay try to win the season because you're one injury away to a, an Aaron Rodgers or all of a sudden, you know, you know, Bakhtiari's, you know, recovery doesn't go according to plan. And maybe Zedarius Smith goes out, you know, you're, you're a couple injuries away in a couple different positions, even if it's not Aaron Rodgers from you know, really being in a bad spot and not being able to compete this season. And now you're really behind the eight ball, not only this year, but for the foreseeable future as well. So I agree with the idea. I do think this is the time to be more aggressive. And Brian Gutekunst alluded to that as well. I do think you need to be a little bit more cautious. Um, And I also, 
while I agree with the idea, I think some of the ideas, um, I, I don't all agree with all of them. So some of the things, and I'm not going to go over all of them, because again, I, I think it's important that everyone read the article and not just us steal everything from it. But, you know, he said extend Aaron Rodgers. I think instead of extending, I think it better to, you know, just kind of renegotiate and, you know, within the, the framework of his current contract. Um, I don't agree with, you know, keeping Preston Smith in any capacity. I think yeah. extending Zedarius Smith may not be the best situation either, especially with where his cap number is at right now. Same thing with franchise. Aaron Jones, I think you're better off, you know, with lesser paid running backs and using that money elsewhere. Jared Valdir, I'm not sure has the ability to, to play a full season, which has been reported in the past. So some ideas on there, I don't necessarily agree with, but I do agree with the overall premise of the article that it does seem that Green Bay needs to be very aggressive this offseason. Right. No, I agree with that. And I think the one that stood out to me the most was franchise tagging Aaron Jones. I, I don't foresee the Packers doing that. And I don't think it would you know lead to a good relationship with Jones either. But I agree with you in that, like the premise of it, maybe the specific ideas don't happen, but the premise of it is correct. Um, or I would say I agree with. And and I think you, you say something interesting, which is the Packers need to be cautious. So Packers are always cautious. That's why <laughs> I mean that like none of these things, if they do a few of them, none of these are, I think, even close to some of the things that other teams do, right? That we've seen the Saints do, the Steelers, or any other teams who give out these like massive contracts, like kind of thinking about the Eagles even with what they did with yeah. Carson. Although I guess you always want to throw money at your quarterback, but the Packers don't do things like that. So I think... Over the course of the last few seasons, they're, they've set themselves up. We always talk about they set themselves up, quote, for the future. Um, they're tr they've been trying to do that for the last couple of seasons while also wanting to build the team for now for a win. And they're so, so close. Um, and so I think that if they do make a few moves this offseason that are for this current coming season, they're not hemorrhaging their future as badly as maybe some other teams do because they're always thinking about the future. No, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. So let me ask you this. So on a scale from zero to 100, zero being they, they should sell off everything, including Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, and, and trade everything away for future assets, and 100 being that they should literally mortgage the entirety of their future to try to win a Super Bowl this season, what number would you be at if you were Brian Gutekunst? <laughs> 65. <laughs> All right, you're at the Mark Tauscher of aggressiveness. Uh, I, I respect that. Yeah, I mean, look, like, again, I am a fan of this team and I'm going to be a fan of this franchise for the rest of my life. And I'd like to see winning seasons. You and I have debated this a bunch. Like, I'd rather see winning seasons for the rest of my life. And hopefully those winning seasons turn into a Super Bowl here and there. Would I love to see a Super Bowl next season? Yeah. And I do I think that this team can do that? Yes, I do. Which is why I'm kind of pushing for maybe a little bit more of an aggressive approach. But I don't want eight years worth of four and 12 seasons. Like that sounds, that doesn't sound worth it to me. Yeah, I'm mostly there as well. I, I'm going to go 75%. I think I think this does seem to be a season where you have to be a little bit more aggressive. And that window does seem to be closing sooner rather than later. You've got maybe a future investment in Jordan Love where hopefully you can open up a window after Aaron Rodgers and maybe – if you do get that Super Bowl, this is this is a weird thing to, to think about, and, and maybe this is a conversation for another day that I don't want to delve on too much here, but I, I think you could actually make a very strong argument that Green Bay should go all in this year and try to win that Super Bowl and hopefully win that Super Bowl 
and then win or lose, sell rather aggressively immediately after to try to not get yourself in that situation where, uh, you, you know, all of a sudden you're you you can't maintain it because the, the money's just not there, and you're probably better to take a couple steps back and get some, you know, maybe trade away an Aaron Rodgers and a Devonte Adams and something like that, and get some very aggressive, hopefully draft picks back in return, and try to get yourself back to normal um, after kind of going all in for a season, but. Um, these are really interesting conversations. And that, I think, honestly, that's why this this offseason is going to be so intriguing to see, because they, it does seem a little bit like they are going to go into uncharted territory and be more aggressive than they have in the past. Wow, you're really setting us up for the rest of our show here, Andy, with the <laughs> with the trading away things and bold predictions here. No, I, I agree. And I think it's uncharted territory for everyone because nobody could have predicted what this past season would bring and nobody could have predicted a, um, a, you know, a recession in the salary cap. Every, I think every team and, you know, Maggie and I looked at the rest of the NFC North, even just as like a smaller microcosm of the rest of the league in terms of salary cap and the decisions that teams need to make this season. And I'd say, an eighth of the league is in a good spot. So everyone's yeah. kind of having to deal with that now. Yeah. And that's, again, just another reason why this offseason is going to be so interesting because you're going to have these teams that are aggressively selling. You're going to have, other, you know, other teams that have been bad for a while that are going to be aggressively buying. You're going to have, I think, more movement um, throughout the league than ever before because of it. You're going to have cheap veterans signing with, I think, you know, mm -hmm. trying to make super teams. I would be shocked if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't get some very intriguing veterans who have been very good and around for a while at very low costs as a almost Miami Heat sort of let's go play with LeBron and Wade and Chris Bosh and get our rings while we in Ray Allen while we can. Uh, I just think we're going to see a lot of that uh, happen over the course of the next few weeks. And again, it's all going to be super, super intriguing. As you mentioned, I was trying to, you know, aggressively lean into some of our topics from later today in our opening conversation there. But one of those things that has come up mostly on Twitter, because where else would you have these type of conversations? I'm sure Reddit has some fun ones as well. Uh, but a lot of Packer fans are discussing the potential of a Jordan Love trade and moving on from Jordan Love to maybe enhance this idea of Green Bay going all in and trying to see what they could get in return. Even I was actually asked even on a radio show this past week if if maybe get, even getting a second or third round pick for Jordan Love would make sense because, uh, tr again, trying to go all in and realizing that Rodgers was better last year than they knew at the time when they selected Jordan Love. And he, he played much better last year than he did in 2019, 2018, 2017, etc. So I, I think we're, on, again, in lockstep on here, Perry. But before I jump in, I want to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, I just don't really – what what is let me let me try to phrase this properly what value does jordan love even have on a trade market and i know you mentioned a second or third round pick but like the guy hasn't even taken a snap for the packers even in a preseason game let alone has another team seen what he can do and right. 20 plus teams passed on him in the draft what has changed since then nothing so i just don't know what the value he brings on the trade market and if somebody else does see something in him the Packers probably see that too and want to keep him around like they drafted him for a reason they took the heat for uh, trading up and drafting a quarterback for a reason they must see something in him now if there had been preseason games and he looked awesome and people reaching out for offers maybe I could see it but 
I don't think, at least not this offseason, is anything going to happen with Jordan Love because he hasn't shown anything yet. Right. I, I could not agree more. And I, I think the big thing here is general managers are very much in the realm of wanting to, uh, you know, sell, um, sell high and buy low. And they just traded, you know, their, their first round selection and a fourth round selection up to get, you know, Jordan Love. And I think, let's say, let's just say the values around like what, pick 40, 50 in this year's draft somewhere in there. I think that's probably around where it is. Maybe. I just don't think that, you know, without seeing him on the field once that you, you, they obviously loved him in last year's draft to make that move. They obviously felt very strongly about him to not see him in even a single preseason game and say, we're going to, we're now okay with taking a much lower return on investment than what we gave for him just a season ago. There's, there's just general managers do not do that. And Mm -hmm. if, if you went on the line, especially even more, you know, and put your neck on the line a little bit more, to draft a quarterback in the first round when you have Aaron Rodgers on the team, you're even that much more like just locked onto that quarterback and obviously felt very strongly about him. So in no way, shape or form do I expect Green Bay to have changed their mind on Jordan Love at this point in time. Even if he looked God awful throughout every single practice a season ago, you're still with a with a pandemic you know season where there's no mini camp, rookie mini camp, OTAs, et cetera, a shortened training camp. And and really, he didn't get enough snaps to, to improve all that much because he was the third guy behind Rodgers and Boyle. There's no way that you're making that determination at this point. And if any other team around the league is like all of a sudden Green Bay comes calling saying, hey, Jordan Love's available. Well, that's an immediate red flag if I'm yeah. any other GM, right? Yeah. Like Green Bay didn't even get to see him yet. And they're already looking to trade him. Like I'm not hesitant maybe even to give a second round pick because I'm like Green Bay obviously does not like him. And even if Green Bay was like, well, you know, we have a situation with Aaron and Aaron doesn't want him around, which isn't going to be the case. But even if like that were now Green Bay is undercutting his value because the teams mm-hmm. know that they have to get rid of him. So like there's just no good scenario here in a trade scenario where you're getting anything close to value at this point. So in no way, shape, or form do I see Jordan Love being traded, nor do I think they should trade him uh, at this point. Give him time. Let him develop. You felt strongly about him. Dig in at this point, and, and let's see what happens. I agree. He's worth the time. He's worth the investment. I mean, I think of this, I know that he's a quarterback, right? So it's the highest valued position that there is on the field, and so there's so much more that goes with taking that pick. But give it, give him time to develop. Let's see what he can do. If he doesn't pan out, He's just another first round pick that doesn't pan out just like so many others have before. But if he does, then you have another 15, 20 years on your hands of like high level contending quarterback play. And so like the win is so much higher than than the the losses there. I think the only thing I could see, the only thing I could see, and these trades don't happen really in the NFL. So like, this is such a long shot, but if he was packaged together with something else, right? So if the Packers were getting a player and a couple picks, and then they sent some picks and Jordan Love to another team, like maybe I could see him being part of a trade like that. But again, that just doesn't happen that often or at all really in the NFL. So long shot. I'm so glad you brought a piece of that up too, because there's way, way, way too much put stock put into who, you know, who was your first pick in the draft and that that player better be good. Like if you if you go back years and years and years of the Packers, how many times was their first overall pick the best player from that draft class? There's reason. I mean, Jair Alexander and Kenny Clark were recent ones, but like. Um, you know, in 2019, my guess is there's a really good chance that either Jenkins or Savage turn out better than what Rashawn Gary does. 
Um, you know, you go back to 2017, Aaron Jones in the fifth round was probably mm-hmm. the best pick in that class. 2015, literally nobody was good. So who the hell knows? Um, 2014, Devontae Adams in the second round picked after HaHa Clinton Dix. Even Corey Lindsley in the fifth, better than HaHa was in that draft. In 2013, Bakhtiari in the fourth. In 2012, either probably Casey Hayward in the second after Nick Perry and Jarrell Worthy. Like 2011, Randall Cobb in the second after Derek Sherrod in the first. Um, you know, so you go back to all of these different, like the very first player that you pick so seldomly is actually the best player from your draft class. And ultimately at the end of the day, your goal as a GM is to hit on three players in that class. Mm -hmm. And it literally does not matter if you picked it in the first, second and third round, or if you got them in like two seventh round picks and an undrafted free agent, like it does not, if you found three really good players in any given draft class, usually you have done your job, especially if just one of them is like a pro bowl or all pro caliber player. Like you are very, very satisfied with your draft. So who the hell cares who the ultimately was the number one pick if you got three good players. And to be fair right now, out of that 2020 class, we have no idea if they're going to get three good players. Um, but it, it ultimately it doesn't matter who got picked first overall. Just let's see what happens with the draft class as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, the only reason why anybody's talking about it is because he's a quarterback A and B because it's the team that has Aaron Rodgers. Like that's the only reason why it's being discussed. If Rodgers was nearing retirement, even no one would have cared. If Jordan Love was any other position, no one would be talking about it. It wouldn't have met. I mean, maybe if it was a running back, the Packers would have gotten slack for it. But I just think that um, you have to look at like draft classes as a whole and who knows what 2020 is going to bring. Um, but again, like the ceiling to me is just so high. And if the floor is that he's gone or he doesn't pan out and the Packers just have to pick another quarterback in the next couple of years, then that's just the name of the game. That's how the sport works. Like look at how many other teams just run through quarterbacks all the time. You I think it was Ted Thompson who has said like that is the most important position and you're always going to take a quarterback because you build your team around that guy. So I've yep. also been in the camp right where I'm like you will, let the guy let the guy be. You know like Aaron Rodgers sat for 3 seasons. I know that's not the way that teams do it anymore because you're trying to build a team around a quarterback on a rookie contract and it's much easier to invest in the pieces around him when he's on that cheap deal etc I get that but it panned out the first time for the Packers so maybe let's trust that philosophy this time around too yeah you would think by now you know Packer fans would have more (laughs) accident forgiveness on that sort of deal than and maybe any other team in the league but apparently not so let's just take a deep breath give it some time to develop and again I think we both agree Jordan Love is not going anywhere this offseason but Let's get to our main topic today. Perry and I are going to be going back and forth, making a total of 10 bold predictions for this offseason uh, because we're in the mood of stealing. We stole Bill Huber's article to begin with, and now we're kind of stealing Matt Schneidman's article as well for his uh, 10 bold predictions. But uh, we have uh, a few different directions that we're going in. But Perry, I will let you take the lead and start first. Oh, man. Okay. I um, I have a few that I don't think maybe people are going to like, but I'm going to go with one that I think is not too bold. But I think that the Packers are going to use their first two draft picks on cornerbacks this season, just like 2018, uh, when they took Jair and then Josh Jackson. I know one of them panned out, one of them didn't. But uh, it's just too important, right? It's too much of a need this offseason with the cap space and the free agent route. I I could see maybe the Packers going out, and this is something I'll, I'll touch on later, I think. But 
I think it's unlikely that they go and get one of the stars, quote unquote, stars that are in this free agency group. You know, maybe someone on a little less expensive deal. But the draft is where most teams, like we talked about earlier, are going to have to get their players this season. So Green Bay has always coveted the position, right? They've all, they haven't had qualms before about spending high draft capital on cor- the cornerback position. They have potentially two starting spots open, uh, you know, depending on what they do with Chandon Sullivan. So first two draft picks, cornerbacks. Well, you, you know, they picked two defensive backs to begin with in 2015, two to begin with in 2017, two to begin with in 2018, and then they took two years off. So it seems like they are overdue for picking back-to-back defensive backs uh, in 2021. That certainly would not surprise me, especially at the cornerback position with what they need. And it's the, the, both of the you know, cornerback in both the first and second round are positions where it should be there should be good players available where Green Bay is picking in both of those rounds. So I definitely think that could make sense based off of the talent that's expected to be there where Green Bay selecting and based off of Green Bay's needs. So I, I don't have like a major disagreement with that in any <laughs> way, shape or form, but I'm going to go in a different direction, at least with the Packers first overall pick. And I don't know if it's going to be a first rounder. I could easily see them moving down. I could see them moving up, but I'm going to say my bold prediction is that the Packers take an offensive lineman with their first overall pick. And I think first of all, you know, just to kind of recap, and I've said this a multitude of times, so forgive me if you heard this already, but Green Bay is in the business of picking premium position players with their first pick in the draft. If you go back for a long, long time now, it's quarterback, offensive lineman, edge rusher, defensive lineman, or corner. Like one of those five positions almost always is their first pick in the draft. And we can just do it for fun. Jordan Love hits that, Rashawn Gary, Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Kenny Clark, Demarius Randall, Dayton Jones, Nick Perry, Derek Sherrod, Brian Bulaga, BJ Raji. That is all but one since 2009 have been one of those positions that I just mentioned. The only time that they went outside of it was 2014 with HaHa Clinton Dix when he was their first pick as a safety and not a corner. So one of their, you know, they they look for those premium position players. So offensive tackle certainly falls within that. They also need long-term offensive line. This is probably Billy Turner's last year in Green Bay based off of how his contract looks and based off of where they're going to be from a salary cap situation next year. David Bakhtiari is coming off of a torn ACL. I still think Elton Jenkins is the long-term center, even though we've seen him play offensive tackle. He could maybe play, you know, right tackle in a pinch, but long-term they probably want him ideally at center. And I think, you know, this is just a position that you could use a first round pick immediately this year. Um, First of all, if he turns out great, and even if David Bakhtiari is healthy, you put him at right tackle and it gives you, you know, uh, Billy Turner, the ability to play right guard, which we saw a couple seasons ago, Elton Jenkins at center. And then you've got, you know, what Lucas Patrick and maybe Elaine Taylor, John Runyon Jr. You know, it provides you a lot of options. And to begin with, if you get, again, draft an offensive tackle, you could start with Turner at left tackle and the the rookie at right tackle. Or if the rookie's capable of playing left tackle, you put him there and keep Billy Turner at right tackle. So there's an immediate need. They love, uh, again, offensive tackles is one of those premium positions that they pick right away. Um, and they they need the depth, uh, you know, long term as well. So this makes sense for a variety of reasons. And then the other one is there's a lot of offensive linemen that are expected to go between like picks 25 and, you know, like 45. Mm-hmm. And that includes Jalen Mayfield, Christian Derrissaw, Tevin Jenkins, Landon Dickerson, James Hudson, Dylan Redunds, Liam Eckenberg, Alex Leatherwood, Walker Little, Sam Cosme, Creed Humphrey, Elijah Vera Tucker, Trey Smith, like all of those offensive linemen. And it's a lot of dudes that could go some 
somewhere between pick 25 and 50. And granted, some of them may be a little bit later. Some of them may end up a little bit sooner. But the, the point being, there's a lot of players within that range that Green Bay is selecting and whether they stay, move up a little or move back a little, that could fit for them. So just based off of what's there, what they need, I think it just makes too much sense. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. You know, I don't disagree with you. I, I, I know it's not the sexiest pick. It doesn't get people all excited. But if we want to have Aaron Rodgers for mm, uh, the next few years and we want him to be the Aaron Rodgers we saw this season, we have to keep him upright. So, or I'm even if you do have to transition to Jordan Love, you better make sure you yeah, have a yeah, good exactly. offensive line for Either that transition way, too. Either way. It, you know, we saw, I, I think the Super Bowl was the perfect example of games are won in the trenches. And if you don't have a strong line on both sides, you can get pummeled by the other team. So I, I can absolutely see the Packers doing that. And I think that, you know, we've discussed it on the podcast before how offensive line depth is a little bit of a question mark at the moment for the Packers. So it wouldn't hurt to have maybe one of the other draft picks from last season step up and have a rookie this season as well. If you look back at when Green Bay was best this past season, it's when their offensive line was protecting Aaron Rodgers. Really the only team that beat them with any regularity was Tampa Bay in both of those games. Uh, they got to the quarterback aggressively and often. And part of that was David Bakhtiari. But when Green Bay was protecting Aaron Rodgers, they basically weren't, you know, weren't stopped all season long. So make a good offensive line and prosper. Right. Yeah, he they sacked him. I think they they had like the highest percentage of sacks on the Buccaneers did on Rodgers than compared to every other team that the Packers played this past season. Yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, so I agree with you. I think my other bold prediction, just sticking with the offensive line, is that I really fully believe that John Run John Runyon Jr. is going to start on the line this season. And you kind of outlined it already, but looking at it in the hopes that you know David Bakhtiari is starting let's like kind of put aside that maybe week one, week two, he's not there, but you have Bakhtiari at left tackle, Billy Turner at right tackle, potentially a rookie, like you said, hopefully they bring back Lane Taylor. And then you have John Runyon Jr., Elton Jenkins and Lucas Patrick, who I think all three can be kind of moved around the interior. I imagine John Runyon Jr. at left guard, Elton Jenkins, and then Lucas Patrick. But again, you know, they can We've seen that Elton Jenkins can play anywhere, and I liked what I saw from John Runyon Jr. a lot when he played. I know it was really limited snaps, but I felt like when a rookie offensive lineman can step in and you're not hearing anything about him, that means he's doing a good job. And uh, he comes from, I don't know how much stock you really can put into this 
truly, but he comes from an NFL family. He already has that sort of professionalism about it. He knows the game. There's not that, I imagine there's not that level of like shock with, with getting to the kind of big stage that he's on. So I just see him sliding in there really nicely. And we, like I said, we need the depth and we don't know if they're going to bring back Lane Taylor or who they're going to draft yet. So I picture I'm calling him JRJ because it's so much easier to say. Uh, oh, that rhymed. Um, so I'm picturing JRJ on the on the line starting this season. No qualms with that whatsoever. In fact, I'd be somewhat surprised if at some point he didn't start, but it certainly is within the realm of possibility that he could from day one as well and just not give up that position. Certainly never looked like a deer in headlights even when he got in. I think even when he, I think his first game in was like early in the season. I think he played right guard after basically, I think they said like never practicing there before yeah. and he still looked capable. It's just, he, he just seems to be one of those players that has the innate ability to go in and block whoever the hell is in front of him, regardless of situation or circumstance. It wasn't perfect. He has a ways to go before he masters his technique and whatnot, but um, I, I definitely think that him getting fast-tracked as a starter on this offensive line uh, could easily happen this year. It's certainly due to injuries at some point, you would think, and then if not uh, at next year at the latest. He, he certainly seems on the trajectory to be on that path at some point, and I agree with you sooner rather than later. All right, I, my big one – I don't know. It's not my big one, but Packers will make a trade at quarterback, Perry, but it will not be Aaron Rodgers. It will not be Jordan Love. I'm going to make the bold prediction, and I've mentioned this before. I think Green Bay will uh, put the, uh, you know, put a tender on uh, Tim Boyle, a restricted free agent tender. I think they will get him back, and I think they will try to trade him because, you know, really Tim Boyle was a, you know, at least Green Bay felt he was an adequate backup for another team taking a chance, and and really he's shown some stuff in preseason uh, to take a chance on him for a seventh round pick at about a two million dollar deal when you know some of the higher end, you know, backup quarterbacks are going for five, even 10 million per year. We've seen like Chase Daniel go at, I think for a potential player with upside and a one year, 2 million non-guaranteed deal, I think some team would easily, you know, be happy to give up like a future seventh round pick at worst for a player of that caliber. So I'm going to say that Green Bay makes that deal because they need to get Jordan Love, those second team reps, and there's just not enough money to go around for three quarterbacks. I can't believe you're advocating for them to get rid of Tim Boyle. I never thought I'd hear those words come out of your mouth. There's a difference between advocating <laughs> for and predicting. If okay, it's up fair. to me, he's clearly the starting quarterback this season. They <laughs> trade away Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love for a multitude of draft picks and, you know, just put everything behind Tim Boyle because it is Boyle time. I think we could all agree with that. But uh, I'm going to predict that they don't go in that direction, unfortunately. And it's to no their own more, No more laser show. I hope Tim Boyle knows how much you, you respect and appreciate him. I really do. He knows. He, he knows. knows. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, my next one is there. There isn't a lot of um, in-depth analysis to this one. It's more of a gut feeling, but I can foresee Kevin King signing with an NFC North opponent. And I say that because it feels like coaches and players alike, when they leave Green Bay on maybe not the best terms, um, <laughs> they tend to go and sign with other teams in the North. We saw it with Jimmy Graham going to the Bears. We saw it with even HaHa Clinton Dix. Um, we've seen it with Dom Capers. So I just feel like I don't, this is totally out of left field and I know nothing about Kevin King or who he is as a person, but I can see maybe the Lions with, they're one of the only teams with actually a decent amount of money in cap space. Um, or any other NFC North opponent going in and trying to sign Kevin King on a kind of cheaper, cheaper deal. 
I mean, Kevin King as a Minnesota Viking just looks and feels <laughs> right, does it not? It like, does. It, legitimately, it really like, does. He, he played in purple at Washington, so maybe I'm just like having, you know, some flashbacks of that. But uh, are they blue? I don't even know what their color scheme is. But either way, it just feels right. Like he could be in, in Minnesota purple. It, it absolutely feels right. Thank you. All right. I'm going to go that the Packers will be paying less than $4 million total at the running back position this upcoming season. I think both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams will be gone. I think they will draft a player in the third or fourth round uh, to tag team with A.J. Dillon, along with, I think, a Tyler Irvin and maybe even a Patrick Taylor making the initial roster as well. Um, you know, kind of giving them four different backs that do a variety of different things, a true running back by committee approach. We saw that Tyler Irvin, you know, of course can be a punt returner, kick returner. He can be that gadget guy in the slot, but we also saw against San Francisco, he can be used as a running back, both as a receiver and a running back when needed. Um, you know, we've seen, uh, what AJ Dillon can do in limited quantities. I think they'll still add to that room as a, you know, with, with a cheap running back, maybe third, fourth, maybe even fifth round this upcoming season. We've seen teams get great value with running backs around the, you know, that range in the past. Uh, I just think that Green Bay has to look for ways to cut costs in certain areas and running back just seems like far too obvious a way to to do that. And even if, even if maybe the draft doesn't fall the way that they want, I could easily see some sort of running back, maybe like a James White, if not James White, still being around post draft time on a cheap veteran deal or some running back, you know, a veteran running back that gets cut, you know, during training camp that, you know, even if they don't find that player in the draft, a, a player similar like that, you know, to pair up with. Um, you know, AJ Dillon and, uh, you know, maybe again, a Patrick Taylor, Tyler Irvin, something like that. I think they're going to go cheap at the position. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that. I think, you know, as, as hard it is, as it is to watch a guy like Aaron Jones walk, given that everything he's done, the Packers have what I think is a decent sort of run scheme and a very good run blocking unit up front. And that's all you really need. You know, like the trope about not paying running backs is there for a reason. You know, you can draft someone, like you said, maybe in the fourth or fifth round where the Packers found Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, right. And, and get the production out of them that they need uh, instead of investing, you know, what is it? 15, 16, 17, potentially million dollars a year on a guy uh, like we watched Dalvin Cook and, and Alvin Kamara get paid. And, and I understand a little bit of the reasons why, but um, given this year and the situation and just like the value of the position in general, it, it doesn't make sense for the Packers to do that. Agreed. 100% agreed. All right, you're up. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll go with one that I think we, we were talking about a little bit and kind of made me think. So I, I'm sure one of your next predictions will come off of this one. But we talked earlier, right, about, you know, we can see the Buccaneers just attracting all of these sort of veteran players on team-friendly deals. And I can actually see people, players wanting to do that with the Packers. And I know it's not Tampa, and it's not warm, and it's not Tom Brady, but it is Aaron Rodgers. And it is a team that has been on the doorstep for years. And if you are looking for if you're a player and the market is a mess this season because nobody can pay and you want to go play for a contender go sign a team friendly potentially you know team friendly or 
lower cost deal to go play for the Packers and win a ring potentially. Why not? Tampa Bay doesn't need to be the only team that attracts that kind of look. You know, I know that J.J. Watt was thrown around. I know you're going to talk about Troy Hill, but what about a guy like Leonard Floyd who maybe wants to come and play with Joe Barry again now that Joe Barry's moving? Maybe a guy like Xavier Rhodes wants to come and, you know, reunite with Jerry Gray. Um, I know Jason McCourty is out on the open market, and I don't think he's going to re-sign with the Patriots. So there are players out there who want to play and want to win and be with a successful franchise. And I think the Packers are an attractive market, especially for guys who are more serious. And like, that's kind of why Jason McCourty came up in my mind, right? He comes from a very serious, very focused Bill Belichick system. Not going to care if he's playing in the warmth, you know, he wants to just go and potentially win another ring. So I think that maybe the Packers will attract those kinds of players. Maybe I'm just, you know, projecting and I'm biased there, but uh, I think that that kind of, um, incentive playing for a winning franchise that potentially Tampa also attracts the Packers can too. No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I do think, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think there's going to be maybe, maybe like six to eight teams at most that players out there are going to feel like, Hey, if I go sign with this team, I think I've got a really great chance at a Super Bowl. And unequivocally green Bay is still one of those teams, regardless of what happens this off season, they still have the talent. They still have Aaron Rodgers. you know, they have every, they have the main ingredients needed to make a run at a Super Bowl. And if you're a veteran, green Bay is definitely going to be one of those teams that you're looking at to say, Hey, I'm, I'm looking to sign a one year deal. I'm happy to be a mercenary for one year until the cap goes back up. And, uh, then we'll see what happens. Hopefully I win a ring and uh, then we can go our separate ways and hopefully I get a much bigger deal next year after a successful year in Green Bay. So I'm with you. I think Green Bay is definitely one of those teams that you know players will be looking at if, they're, if their main motivation is in fact winning a Super Bowl, which for some it is, for some it isn't. But I think there's plenty of players, especially at late stages in their career, that will be within that category. Right, I'm going to flip gears. I'm going to go back to the draft for a second. I'm going to be fully transparent here, Perry, and I'm going to tell you I have not finished my full study on this player yet, but I'm going to go out on a limb anyway and say that at some point in the draft, I don't know where, but the Packers will draft Amari Rodgers in this draft. And first of all, who doesn't want to see a Rodgers to a Rodgers uh, for a touchdown connection? That would be amazing. Um, Aaron to Amari would be perfect. But if you look at what Green Bay needs, they they really need that slot receiver who can be the yards after the catch guy. Well, if you're looking at yards after the catch, this past season, uh, Amari Rogers was second in the country in yards after the catch, trailing over Devante, only Devonte Smith. Um, so he is right there. He is strong. He is physical. Reminds me a little bit of Randall Cobb after the catch. And then, you know, so he's going to be that slot guy. But we know, Perry, better than anyone, that Green Bay is not even going to look at a wide receiver unless they're physical at the point of attack when it comes to blocking. And Amari Rodgers gives full effort as a blocker as well. This is one of those those picks that are just a match made in heaven for what Green Bay needs. I know they tend to look at bigger receivers, you know, not always uh, maybe a little bit of the shorter guys. I'm actually not even a million percent sure on Amari Rodgers' height at the moment, but um, I, I think he fits very, very well with need and just the general demeanor at which Green Bay looks at for, for wide receiver. So maybe this is a little bit wishful thinking, but I'm going to go on a limb anyway and say that the Packers select Amari Rodgers in the draft. That is a very specific prediction. I'm it not is. I'm not mad about it, but it's very specific. You know, it's funny because my next prediction is actually that I don't think the Packers are going to draft a wide receiver at all. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So, I mean, look, like it's not one that I personally want to see. And I think that 
going out and getting because you know Devontae Adams is getting up there in age right like we're the Packers are going to need to start bringing in some serious talent at the position we can't they're not going to be able to rely on Devontae Adams forever um but historically they just haven't taken receivers and you know you look at a draft like 2020 where everybody's talking about how this is the deepest class there has been and there's all this talent at every stage and every round and the Packers don't do anything. So who's to say that they're going to do that again this season? Um, Now, again, personally, I would like to see them take someone because like you just mentioned, there's tons of guys actually that would fit really well in the Matt LaFleur scheme. And I think they need to start refreshing the talent pool at the position, but I just don't know if they're going to do it. I think I said on a recent video version of the Pack-A-Day podcast that if the Packers didn't draft a receiver this year, I'd go a month without pizza. So I hope like hell you are wrong because I, I think I made the bold prediction wow. that they they for sure would draft a receiver this year. Um, so th- that might be the first one that we have any sort of disagreement on. It's, you know, maybe just my my stomach's you know uh, leading me in the direction there because I made that bold prediction earlier. But uh, I I would be shocked with all, all the picks that they have this season and also. You know, Devontae's right now, I think he's going to get extended, but on the last year of his deal, MVS is on the last year of his deal. Um, you know, EQ is on the last year of his deal. Malik Taylor, you're not making any draft decisions based off of. Alan Lazard becomes a restricted free agent next year, if memory serves, after an exclusive rights this year. So, like, they they actually have some question marks that were like you can't just pencil in everyone at receiver next year and say like oh you know next year I mean 2022 and say they're good Green Bay always like, likes to draft a year in advance um, I just think based off of what the you know 2022 receiver group looks like um, right now with some of those free agents to be uh, I just think they have to address it at some point in this draft. Okay, well, like I said, I I'm I hope you're right. <laughs> Fair enough. I hope I'm right too, uh, just because I like being right and I like when you're wrong because yeah, then like I can, pizza. yeah, it makes a ton of sense. But uh, we'll see what happens. You'll probably be right, and I'm gonna go out without pizza for a month, which is gonna be devastating and also lose me about 15 pounds. So maybe okay, so it'll be a win. How about this? Would you rather give up pizza or soda? Uh, I would rather give up pizza, but I haven't been drinking so. Like if I. Soda is my one vice. I, if I could have anything at this moment, I would love a delicious Mountain Dew. I could drink literally 20 a day and just be as happy as can be. Um, I don't have any other vice in life, but man, I love soda. I love, love, love soda. I don't need alcohol. Um, I certainly don't need drugs. I don't need, I don't need anything else. Just give me my sweet, sweet soda and I'd be very happy. Oh, you're funny. All right. What's your final bold prediction? Final bold prediction. The final, the big one that the Green Bay Packers will sign JJ Watt and Troy Hill. Two bold predictions here wrapped into one as we wrap things up. I was looking at this, Perry. So as as we, I've kind of mentioned in the past, I think Jones, Williams, Lindsley, um, Kevin King, I think all those guys are gone. And I think because of that, I think Green Bay is going to look at those comp picks and say like, hey, we we kind of want those comp picks. So I don't think they're going to get delved too deep into free agency. Um, I also think that they will have the ability to make one home run swing, whether that's resigning a Corey Lindsley or Aaron Jones, whether that's signing a J.J. Watt or a different free agent. I think they're going to have one home run swing, and I think they're going to be able to sign one mid-tier sort of free agent as well. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they don't clear quite as much cap space, but that's kind of where I'm projecting things right now. And I think if you look at J.J. Watt with players that could be released, I think Watt makes the most sense 
again, not wanting to ruin those comp picks. I think he makes the most sense as the guy that would fit with Green Bay with their needs as that home run swing with a guy that fits within their defense would you know be perfect alongside Darius and Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary really make that defensive line formidable make things easier on every level of the defense because of your front four I just when I look at the available free agents and the players who could be released or have been released already JJ watches screams out to me is the guy that makes the most sense Will it happen? Who the hell knows? But that's going to be my bold prediction for today. And I think Troy Hill, I think, you know, he would definitely cancel out one of those comp picks. But I think, you know, I, I think Kevin King gets more than we expect. And I think maybe those two just kind of cancel each other out from a comp pick standpoint. And you still end up with three good comp picks from, from Lindsley and Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. So I think you're okay with that. And I think you get a guy, remember these free agents are signed prior to the draft, right? So the the beautiful thing about Troy Hill is he can play both slot and he can play outside. He also comes from the Rams defense with, with, you know, with Joe Barry being the defensive coordinator, that certainly matters as well. But I think the fact that he can play both slot and outside gives you the freedom then to kind of pick the best available cornerback in the draft. If they do go first or second round at that position, which I think is definitely within the realm of possibility, if not likelihood, now, if you if you get a slot corner, you can kick Troy Hill outside and play him, you know, with Jair outside and the, the rookie in the slot. And if you end up with an outside corner, somebody like, you know, Newsom or, or, you know, someone like that, you know, you put Troy Hill on the inside and you're still much better off. So I think he provides that versatility to be able to get the corner that you want in the draft rather than, you know, let's say you signed a Richard Sherman, which I think, you know, people would be happy about. But now, you know, you're specifically looking for kind of that slot corner in the draft. And um, unless you want to move Jair inside on downs, which is possible, I guess. But because Richard Sherman only plays one position, uh, you know, you don't get that versatility. So and of course, he costs a crap ton more money than Troy Hill will as well. So Hill's coming off a really nice season. And I just think those two type of picks make sense. They really solidify the Packers defense. You can easily get by with Jair, Troy Hill and a rookie at corner, you know, with Savage and, and Amos at safety. I think you get by with Chris Barnes and maybe a cheap veteran, uh, like a vet minimum type veteran at linebacker. And now you've got Watt, uh, Watt Zedarius and, um, you know, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary along the defensive line. That is the makings of a fantastic defense with, you know, if you get an offensive lineman in the first round, bring back Lewis and, Ton and Tunyon. You know, even if A.J. Dillon's your running back, you don't add much at wide receiver. You've got every ingredient that you need to be able to compete at a super, and I say that specifically, a super high level this upcoming season. And if they can make it work, I think it just makes too much sense. Oh, yeah, I love it. I mean, I think that even without Troy Hill, if the Packers get J.J. Watt, that front is as formidable as you can get. I don't I don't know who you know what else the Packers would need to do. And as soon as you have a dominant front, as soon as you're rushing the passer and affecting the pocket, it makes the rest of your defense's lives that much easier. And so and I've been thinking about this a lot, Andy, too, because I really feel like the Packers are going to have a rookie that's starting likely week one first game you know, of his career uh, in that secondary. And so if you can just make things a little bit easier and uh, on that, that player, you know, the, the learning curve there is going to be really steep. Not everyone's going to plop into that field and play like Jair Alexander did week one, right? Like we saw some struggles from guys that I was really high on in the draft last season, like Jeff Okuda, you know, there are definitely struggles. So, and I think we've gone over the J.J. Watt thing. Like, no matter what, he's going to be from a player standpoint, from a, as a person with the Wisconsin, everything about that is amazing. And I love Troy Hill, too. I, I think that it's tough because 
cornerbacks a lot of time just have a really high price tag in free agency, right? Like that's why the Packers want to lock up Jair Alexander before he even gets close to the open market. Um, guys like Richard Sherman, Patrick Peterson, they're going to, even in this season when, when teams don't have money, they're going to garner huge contracts. But a guy like Troy Hill who fits with the scheme, knows Joe Barry, and won't actually, I think, cost nearly as much as maybe he would in another season or um, in general compared to other cornerbacks. It fits really nicely and, again, gives whatever rookie comes in and has to step in on the field just a little bit more ease. Um, I'd love also to see the Packers bring back Tremont. I, I know that they only did that for the playoffs and he didn't even play, but um, I think if not, you know, it would be nice to see him back for another year if if he can play to give another kind of boost uh from a veteran standpoint, but I'd be super, super pumped if either of those, and especially if both of those guys signed with the Packers. They could sign Tremont until he's 50 and I would be fine with it. Like, I just, I don't even care if he plays it down. I just want him on the 53 man roster in the locker room. And I literally don't even care if he, you know, I'm totally cool with that. So I don't think he'll be back, but anyone that wants to, you know, suggest that Tremont should be a Packer, I will agree uh, through eternity. So that's my take on that. But I think we agreed on nine out of the 10 Perry. I can't wait for one of these to be right. Uh, probably out of 10. And probably the one is that they don't draft a wide receiver, uh, in the draft. That's probably the one we got right. Uh, but it's going to be really, really fun to see how this off season plays out, even with the, in the situation that green Bay's in to an extent, I'm really nerdy and weird when it comes to this stuff, Perry, but like the, the more behind like the eight ball you are and like more creative you have to get, the more I geek out and nerd out about how they handle some of these situations and to see what creativity they come with to, you know, fill some of these positions. So I'm super geeking out and uh, I hope everyone else is, you know, kind of going to enjoy this process as well. Yeah, I love I love the off season. I I feel like there's only really like a month and a half basically where there's not really anything going on with football. It's like from the Super Bowl till free agency, and then once March hits, there's so so many moves, there's so many changes, and I think they're really exciting. So I I'm with you. I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, we're we're March first as people are listening to this. Like March is going to be insane. Like catch your breath now if you can because like. In the next couple of weeks, there as as soon as that you know cap number gets finalized, you're gonna see a crap ton of releases. You're gonna see you know players waived and released and cut all over the place. I think you're gonna see more trades. I think we're gonna see potentially some some more quarterback rumors. Who the heck knows? Maybe Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson move. We don't even know about that at this point. And then all of a sudden, you know, in a couple of weeks free agency is going to open. And you know, of course, like always a couple days before you start hearing rumors and then free agency hits and players sign JJ Watt probably signed sometime in the next couple of weeks before free agency starts. Um, like it is going to be an insane, insane March. So buckle up. I can't wait to see everything that happens around the league. Um, I think that kind of covers it for our main topics today, Perry, but any other final thoughts before we get out of here? No, none except that I, yeah, you said it. I'm ready for it. I remember, you know, when everything shut down last year, that first week was when all of the free agency news started hitting. And I just remember being like, this is such a nice distraction from what's going on in the world right now. Uh, and I can't believe it's a year later and I'm still working from home and still getting excited about the distraction of free agency in my life. <laughs> no, a million, a million, a million percent. Like anything right now, like free agency and just to kind of delve into that and take your mind off of everything else is a welcome distraction always. And just March in general with free agency and March madness, shamrock shakes, girl scout cookies, like what the hell more do you want in life? Even during a pandemic, there's a lot to celebrate in March First signs of spring. It is a great, great month. So enjoy the hell out of March. 
I will. I see uh, you are also. <laughs> I, was, I was more talking to our listeners, Perry. Oh, I'm okay. You're going to enjoy it as well. Um, this has been fantastic. Great stuff as always, Perry. Anything that you're working on when uh, when does Pax, uh, Pax What She Says come out this week? And uh, what else are you working on? Yeah, so we actually have a really exciting guest this week. We're going to have Michelle Bruton on the show. So we'll be recording with her on Wednesday and it will probably come out either Thursday or Friday, the normal end of the week. Uh, Maggie and I have a couple of really exciting guests lined up for, for this off season. So I hope everyone enjoys those and uh, we'll have a little Pax What She Said announcement coming up, talking about excitement in March um, sometime next month too. So if you follow us on Twitter or follow the podcast on Twitter, you'll you'll see that. All right. Great stuff as always, Perry. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Uh, for those listening, we always appreciate you listening. Make sure to subscribe if you have not already. Uh, make sure to check out the video version of the Packaday podcast. Um, again, you can check us out here 365 days wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We're closing in on episode 1000, which maybe there'll be something special. Maybe it'll just be another episode. Who the hell knows? I certainly don't. Uh, but appreciate you all taking the time out of your day to join us. Until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.